I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to Magic and Medicine, a bonus series of the Three Ravens podcast, all about superstitious spells, crazy charms, and some downright revolting remedies. I'm Eleanor Conlon, and I'm carefully manipulating a little figure of a man I've stitched by hand, walking him across the table. Oh, hello, Martin. Oh, hello, Eleanor. I don't know why, but I felt strangely compelled to walk in here and join you. What have you got there? Absolutely nothing at all, just a little sewing project. Okay. Well, after a very busy festive season with lots of extra releases, we're quite pleased to be back to our regular release schedule for January. Yes, it's very nice to find time to actually be able to read our Christmas books, which included a lot of lovely and interesting folktale and magic books. Yes, and have you been inspired by anything for today's episodes? Definitely, although it's not a form of magic I've ever tried. Today, we're going to be discussing the use of poppets, also known as moppets, mommets and pippies, a type of doll made to represent a person and used in sympathetic and apotropaic magic. Martin, have you ever seen or had any experiences with a poppet? Well, I know that the ancient Greeks used a version of poppets where they made little models of people and tried to manipulate them to have medicinal effects for example and to you know positively influence life as well as potentially inflict pain on other people and of course voodoo dolls are a kind of part of our popular culture so they're there but i suppose the only real direct time i've encountered the idea of a poppet is in uh, the play the crucible by arthur miller yeah i mean i can't say i've had any experience with poppets magically but i've definitely made a fair few for stage productions of the crucible <laughs> So I have stitched these things, um, but they were very much stage props and yeah, not yeah. used uh, magically. I also remember having a set of worry dolls when I was little, which is a slightly different thing, but I think ties into the idea. Yeah, see, I've never had a worry doll. So, so how would you explain a worry doll? Uh, they're very tiny for a start. It was in a very small pouch and the dolls themselves are only a couple of centimetres tall. Oh, wow. They're made from wood and brightly coloured thread. Very, very kind of minimal with a little face painted on. Mm. They originate 
from Guatemala and Mexico. And the idea was that they'd be given to children who were sad or anxious. Aww. And you tell your worries to the little dolls, one worry for each doll, and then you pop them back in their bag and put them under your pillow while you sleep. And it's believed that the dolls take the worries away overnight so you can start the next day free of worry. Oh, well, that's a delightful idea. I could definitely have done with some worry dolls well, as a little boy. We've still got some now, so if you'd have like we? to give it a go. I mean, to be honest, I, I could probably still do with them. <laughs> It's really nice. And though it doesn't directly relate to the idea of puppets, I think there's a connection to the notion that inanimate objects have spiritual agency, which is kind of the foundation of beliefs about magic dolls. Mm, They seem like a bit of a spirit bridge, don't they? So dolls which are designed to manifest a specific purpose, whether that be for good or to create harm. That's right. And I think that puppets and magic dolls have certainly had a lot of negative press over the centuries. Well, you know, we both mentioned the Crucible a moment ago where Arthur Miller uses the puppet as a device to dramatise the fear and superstition about witchcraft in the character's community. And there was certainly a Christian fear of creating images of people, wasn't there? Yeah, and one of the Ten Commandments states that you shouldn't make graven images Mm. or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or in the earth below. So even within Christianity, it was traditionally believed that these non-living things had power. Yeah, I mean, I'm also... I think I'm right in saying here that fear of puppets really came to a head during the reign of James I. So, you know, that era of witch hunts. Absolutely. Although um, the book, The Malleus Maleficarum, uh, is an older text, and that, that was written in 1486 by Heinrich Kramer. That saw a massive revival in the 16th and 17th centuries. James I Mm. used it notably, and it was used in the persecution of supposed witches. Now, the Malayas mentions poppets as unacceptable because the practice of using them doesn't include any Christian elements. I mean, there's a lot in that book, isn't there? And not every doll is a poppet, of course, but it became quite dangerous at that time to even have human figure-shaped toys at the height of witch hunt fever. Well, I mean, to this day, we, of course, have lots and lots of representations in popular culture of haunted dolls yes, and scary doll dolls that come back to life. Somehow possessed yeah. by a spirit, malignant or otherwise. You know, Chucky was a big one when we were kids. Yes, possessed by the soul of a killer. And then, of course, Annabelle has become a big thing because of the Conjuring series. Absolutely. And I think that that sort of image of the doll with those creepy staring eyes yeah. is something that still upsets a lot of adults. <laughs> Definitely. So when we talk about poppets, obviously it's quite an interesting word. Where does that word come from? It's a Middle English word and it's sometimes spelt puppet um, or poppet right. with, with one P. And it roughly just means a doll or a small figure. Mm. Um, we've got obviously in French, we've got poupée, which is doll or puppet yeah, as yeah. well. And the term can also be used to refer to a small child. And outside magic, we still use the word today as an endearment, don't yeah, we? Yeah, we Although do. I haven't yet used it as a pet name for you. <laughs> no, you haven't, because <laughs> I'm enormous. <laughs> now, is the Middle Ages the first time we hear of puppets being used in folk magic? Not at all, although there are plenty of medieval references. But there are also some extremely early examples. Oh, tell me more. Well, it's fair to say that doll magic in some form or other is very ancient, and examples can be found from all over the world. Mm. 
Although materials vary, poppets are quite often made from malleable substances like wax, clay, dough and animal fat, as well as from cloth and thread, (laughs) and quite often included an element of human leavings like hair, nail clippings, saliva or even blood. Oh boy, well firstly I'm going to say that's not going to make a very nice addition to our soft toy collection. No, definitely not (laughs) a blood toy. No, but we've talked about on the podcast before how it, it was always seen as dangerous to let a witch get some of your nail clippings or get some of your hair because having an element of your body some of your physical leavings as you said gave people power over you absolutely it creates a spiritual link doesn't it yeah and i find some very interesting reference to something called a dream doll which was supposedly used in the conception of alexander the great what yeah apparently to conceive alexander a magician created a special doll filled it with herbs and expensive resins and then made a little bed for the doll beside a burning lamp. Mm -hmm. Then he asked the doll to go forth and empower Alexander the Great's mother to produce a son who would do great things. Oh, that's a great story, but (laughs) creepy. It's good, isn't it? Oh, it's creepy. creepy. And puppet practice was quite common in the classical world, it appears. You've Mm. mentioned um, the ancient Greeks using dolls, and there's evidence of dolls called kolossoi, which could be used to restrain restless spirits and also curse people. Yeah, I mean, we have some surviving extant examples, so I'll put some pictures up on social media. We do. Interestingly, to curse somebody, this doll would be fashioned, named after the victim, and then broken Mm. or melted down if it was made of wax. And the broken pieces would be carried to a cemetery where the spirits of the dead would supposedly help curse the victim. See, this is where I've always been wary about image magic. I know that it's been used for help and healing, but there are too many stories about it being used for harmful purposes. Yeah, I agree. Colossoi are quite similar to the practice of creating defixiones as well. The earliest examples of which date from the 5th century BC... Um, were found in Sicily. Defixiones? Yes, so they're effigies of flattened lead, roughly in the shape of a person. They look kind of like a gingerbread man, if you can imagine, a rough person shape, Mm. which might then be inscribed with a wish or a curse and then rolled up tightly and pierced with a nail or a pin. Mm. It's very interesting because it tells us that the use of dolls in magical practice just goes back for centuries and centuries. That's very interesting. I mean, obviously, the marking of lead tablets and rolling up curses and Mm. casting them into shrines is something we know quite a bit about. Certainly in England, there's lots of surviving examples of those tablets. But it makes sense to me that humanoid figures, you know, we've been making them and discovering examples of them having been made from the earliest times in human life and civilization. So, for example, I remember reading about a lion-headed figure which was discovered in a cave in Germany which is 40,000 years old. That's so amazing, Mm. isn't it? And and we, because it's so old, you know, we can't know if it was used in religious practice, image magic, or just as a beautiful piece of art. Who knows? Who knows? (laughs) There's also the Venus of Holofell, which is an upper Paleolithic figurine of a woman with a lovely round belly and boobs. It's quite famous, and you've probably seen images of it and similar examples. Yeah, I've used it as a back cover for a past Three Ravens newsletter. It's a really charming thing, and yeah. it, it looks tactile. You mm. know, you'd like to get your hands on it. Oh, for sure. And many archaeologists have theorised that these figurines might have been used in fertility magic, or maybe even to represent a god, perhaps a fertility, yeah. birth, reproduction. I'm, there are lots of examples of that kind of thing from the ancient Egyptians as well, aren't there? Oh, yeah. The ancient Egyptians really went to town with image magic. Mm. It was incredibly popular like very normal cultural practice well yeah 
One of the oldest spells on record is actually an image magic spell on a clay tablet dating from the second millennium BC. And it's a cure for a dog bite. So quite quite prosaic, really. Yeah, that's fun. But it involves using clay, which you rub on the wound from this dog bite, Mm. and then you mould it into the shape of a small dog. And then you say some magic words over the dog figure and leave it outside in the hot sun to dry and and harden. And as it dries, the wound is supposed to heal. See, now that's awesome. I love it. Although... I imagine that if you had a particularly nippy dog, you might end up a bit overcrowded <laughs> by little dog figurines. Yes, exactly. You go to someone's house and find loads of them on a shelf and you think, oh dear. I mean, to be honest, <laughs> Get that, any that, dog, maybe. that still happens now. People's houses full of little full figurines. Of dog figurines. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know that the ancient Egyptians made effigies of gods as yeah. well, but they widely believed that all statues and images contained a bit of the spirit of the thing they represented. Yeah, I can dig that. There yep. are lots of examples of, for instance, pad shaped dolls from ancient Egypt which might have been toys for children but they also had exaggerated wide hips and sort of womb areas and were thought to carry the spirit of fertility and promote female reproduction we've also got from Egypt the fascinating example of the Ushabti which roughly translates as answerers the answerers? what are the answerers? it's really cool isn't it? so they were small dolls representing servants which were placed into tombs to serve the dead in the afterlife wow these things contained the spirit of a servant. That and is so interesting. A person would have them. Kind of like the terracotta army or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Oh, see, I think that's much more wholesome than burying actual servants alive. Yes, agreed. <laughs> <laughs> Although, if you buy into the idea that dolls represent real people or contain a portion of their spirit... It's still a bit ethically grey, I've got to say. Yes, and as time went on, people were worried about the grey ethics of using poppet magic. Mm. This can be seen in the 12th century text, The Egyptian Secrets of Albertus Magnus. Amazing. Uh, which is a sort of spell book slash recipe book slash almanac. Yeah. And it gives a charm for destroying an enchanted poppet, which was intended to harm livestock. What? That's very specific and suggests people had a real problem with enchanted poppets harming their livestock. It does. It certainly speaks to the fact it it might have been more common than it is today. (laughs) Albertus Magnus gives a charm which is to be written out and nailed in a secluded corner of the stable, which will supposedly eliminate the power of this poppet that's been harming the animals. See, I'm very interested in this idea of dolls holding energy given to them by people because... Mm. If you think about worship, we know that basically since, you know, human civilization has existed, people have been making little versions of gods or deities and then through belief kind of imbuing them with power. I guess it's something that happens all over the world, but is it the same when people are putting the power of normal people, so not godlike people, into objects? Is that a universal? Well, there are a number of doll-related, sort of semi-magical, semi-religious practices recorded in Japanese history. Oh, yeah. So there are two doll festivals which are still celebrated today. What? There's the Hina Matsuri in springtime, where straw dolls are set afloat on a boat and sailed down the river to the sea, yeah. supposedly taking bad spirits or troubles with them. And that kind of fits with, you know, our previous discussion on corn dollies. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. we're about to uh, reach, you know, Plough Monday. And that is the time traditionally where every year people took their corn doll that held the spirit 
of the harvest from last year all winter time they will then plow it back into the earth to hopefully guarantee themselves a good harvest in the year to come i mean that's a kind of dull magic almost isn't it absolutely yeah. i would say so and this uh, the hinamatsuri dates from the heian period so from 794 to 1192 ad oh. but it still continues today and then there's something really interesting which i was fascinated by because it is that notion of normal people imbuing normal objects rather than anything to do with the gods yeah. particularly and it's called the ningyokuyo matsuri or doll burning festival okay that sounds a little bit wicker manny it's actually quite lovely although a bit sad right the idea originates in shintoism um which is a religion which is tied to the belief that both animate and inanimate objects can hold power yeah and it's essentially a funeral ceremony for old and unwanted dolls. Uh-huh. But rather than throwing dolls away or just donating them to charity, they get a thoughtful send-off and a ceremony held at a temple where prayers are said and the dolls are thanked for giving their owners happy memories. That's so and nice. Some, some temples do burn the dolls or just throw them away. But after this ceremony has been held... Oh, it's interesting because, you know, I, I've still got the childhood toy that I so loved. I have a rabbit that I've been holding on to since I was a tiny little baby. The idea that I'd set it on fire if it came to the point where it was too threadbare to carry on. I'm just not sure I could countenance that. Like, I feel quite sorry for these dolls, I must say. I'm the same. Um, both of us uh, probably put far too too much onto inanimate objects yeah. in, in that way. If it's got a face, I really struggle. <laughs> <laughs> but interestingly, in Japan, it's still commonly believed that dolls have souls. Well, I think they may do. Yeah. Um, so the kanji for doll in Japanese literally translates as human form so it's important to give them appreciation when getting rid of them because if you don't you may be cursed yeah yeah i imagine that that's about right so giving thanks and getting a blessing from the temple kind of allows the doll's soul to be released (sighs) it's very interesting isn't it that's a really interesting tradition and it makes perfect sense to me because if you have spent all of this time investing love and energy into an object when it passes on, you do want to mark that in a, exactly. in a special way. And when you think, you, like, especially children's toys are so close to them. Yeah. Um, they, they take on a lot of, you know, fear and anxiety and sadness, but also love and fun and playtime. Yeah. They're very powerful objects. I mean, we as creatures do like to project onto objects, don't we? We but, absolutely do. I mean, I certainly have got some, like, tokens and, and items in my life that I've had much longer than many of my friendships have lasted. <laughs> <laughs> so some of them have a, a real sentimental value to me. And, and I think that if I were to lose them, it, it, it would be like mourning, I guess. Yeah, the, the Ningyo Kyuyo Matsuri is kind of specifically for dolls, though, yeah. rather than sort of soft toys. So your bunny wouldn't no, necessarily no. figure. There's, the doll has a special place within Japanese but I have culture, like, which other toys don't, which yeah, is quite interesting. Yeah, I mean, I have some little carved objects, for example. You know, mm. those are kind of dolls, aren't they? Kind of dolls, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. So, yeah, slightly similar. But I, I guess it's, you know, you're talking about something that is quite specific about you yes. know, human figures, basically. And perhaps that's not the same for us, because I think perhaps soft toys are more popular in Europe than dolls. Yeah, maybe. I might go out and say that certainly when I was growing up, I preferred animals to dolls. Um, Yeah, but also when we were growing up, I mean, dolls were primarily plastic, weren't they? Yes, they weren't very delightful no sort of tactile whereas animals were soft not beautiful i mean but also i remember that you know for example you did some traditional doll making and made some doll faces out of uh flour (laughs) and had them eaten 
Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean that was that was pretty traumatic for me. <laughs> like basically, the, the vermin and mice ate yes, the faces of these mice dolls. Mice ate, ate a, a salt dough doll. <laughs> it was traumatic. I'll tell a story about it one day. <laughs> there are loads of other instances of doll making in traditional Japanese culture too, mm. from hoko dolls, which are soft dolls made of cloth and silk, given to women to protect them during pregnancy, Whoa. to katashiro, which are substitutes for people in spiritual practice and are believed to take on sins or misfortunes what? to amagatsu or guardian dolls which are kept by a child's bedside to ward off evil they appear a lot and they're often consecrated at shrines and carefully dressed and looked after and treated very much <sighs> as a member of the family so fascinating I mean I'm somebody who's been to Japan I've learned quite a lot about Japan but I had no real understanding that there was quite so much doll magic in Japanese belief no me neither I've, I've also visited Japan and I think I've been aware of traditional dolls in shops and shrines but yeah. very uh, for me at the time it was very much a sort of back background yeah. just oh that's a beautiful object which is part of the culture but I didn't really realise the role that dolls yeah. play in society and when we think about kind of European traditions I guess the only real equivalent we've got is something like figures of saints yeah you can definitely link the idea to saint and virgin figures in mm. Catholicism like Santos dolls yeah which were originally created for home worship in small communities which might not have a priest. And that can trace their origins back to sort of classical household shrines, yeah. worship of the lares, the household gods. But the idea of personal protection dolls, we, we don't have that so much. No, I mean, people wear necklaces and icons, don't they? You know, mm. People do wear their saints in, in Catholicism. That's yes. very normal. And of course, wearing a crucifix, which sometimes might have a little picture of Jesus or a model of Jesus mm. on it. But I don't think that's quite the same thing. You know, no. It's a doll. That's different yeah, to a necklace. You don't, you don't sort of set it on your bedside. No. And talk to it. And, you know, it's not humanoid in shape, really. That's super interesting, though. Now, the Museum of Witchcraft in Cornwall does have a really cute example of a personal protection doll, which might have been given to a British soldier during the First World War. Whoa. So that late on. And they these things were known as touchwood or thumbs up dolls. Thumbs up? Thumbs up, yep. Spelled F-U-M-S rather than T-H-U-M-B-S. <laughs> These were these tiny little dolls which incorporated good luck motifs like the four-leaf clover, the thumbs-up symbol, Cupid's wings and the image of a newborn baby. Wow. The one they have in the museum has articulated arms so its little thumbs can be lifted up <laughs> like an to figure. touch its head which is made of wood. Uh-huh. Um, and it's got Cupid's wings on its feet and a little four-leaf clover on its oh, head. how gorgeous. And the one they have in the museum has a leaflet with it containing... a kind of charm I suppose it is oh it has a magic spell it has a magic spell oh no this is how it goes for luck behold in me the birth of luck two charms combined touch wood thumbs up my head is made of wood most rare my thumbs turn up to touch me there to speed my feet they've cupid's wings they'll help true love amongst other things proverbial is my power to bring good luck to you in everything I'll bring good luck to all away. Just send me to a friend today. Wow. I mean, that is so wholesome. And it's so nice to see an example of doll magic being used in such a positive way. I've got to say, it surprises me enormously that this is a World War I object. Yeah, and the idea that you could give one to um, a man who was going off to fight yeah. as a little good luck charm. That's absolutely fascinating. And I wonder if how many... 
of these dolls in the past were made of biodegradable materials, so they don't survive, so we don't have them as a field of study, mm. if you see what I mean. The one in that museum is tin. Wow. So it's a little metal. Little tin It's very doll. small. But I, I love that example of 20th century folk magic. Yes, fascinating. I mean, I've got to say that prior to this discussion, I would have been far more likely to think that puppets would have been used in a negative way. So people would have stuck them with pins or used them with malicious intent, for example. Well, if you'd like to hear more about pins and needles, yeah. misconceptions about voodoo dolls and what puppets have to do with Adolf Hitler, stay with us to find out right after this. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. All right, Eleanor, I'm both nervous and excited because, I don't know, I'm fascinated by the idea of use of dolls for malicious purposes. What do you got for me? Well, how about this? In Scotland, several examples of dolls called clay corpses have been discovered. Okay, I'm immediately creeped out. These apparently relate to the practice of creating a doll or a corpse out of clay, mm. which resembles a person you wish to harm. Oh. The clay body is then placed in a stream under a waterfall yeah. so that the water will slowly trickle over Oh no, it. so it'll, it'll kind of erode mm -hmm. and wash away. And Ugh. as the clay body wastes away, the person it resembles is supposed to waste away too. Oh my goodness. Pins might also be stuck into the clay corpse to make the death of the doomed person even more painful. <sighs> These things were still being found at the beginning of the 20th century. Oh my goodness. Okay, so imagine I stumble into one. What do I do? Is there a safe way of discharging this doll? Well, ideally you would take it out of the water yeah. and carefully preserve it so that the spell will be broken and the person it resembles will recover. Oh, that's really so unpleasant. Look after it. It's <laughs> a heavy responsibility, though, if you do stumble into one of these things. Gosh. I mean, it's pretty unpleasant, isn't it? Mm. And I think that is the enduring image we have when we think about poppets. Yeah. Dolls stuck all over with pins and needles intended to cause pain and suffering to the target. Yeah, I mean, I'm aware that, for example, some theories are that, you know, by sticking pins into pressure points, the idea is that they were, had medicinal purposes. Yes, it's yeah. a kind of doll-based acupuncture. Yeah, basically <laughs> the idea that, you know, I mean, I have a, a you know, chronic pain problem in my shoulder. The idea that somebody could very carefully uh, insert a pin into a little model of me and, and get rid of that pain for me. I, I could understand it. There's times where I feel like, God, I do just wish someone would well, stick, a could just stick a pin in there make it go away. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it might not be all bad mm. sticking pins if the target really deserves it. <laughs> 
Which is why, in 1941, the Reader's Digest published an article encouraging its readers to create dolls of Adolf Hitler and stick pins into them. No way. Yep, it even provided a hex which could be sung while sticking pins in. Reader's Digest? Yep, Reader's Digest, that well-known spell book. (laughs) There was a follow-up article to this which suggested getting the International Ladies' Garment Workers' Union to mass-produce Hitler dolls so that cursing could take place on a national scale. That is wild. It's great, isn't it? What? Now, there's no evidence that the Ladies' Garment Workers' Union did that, (laughs) but it's true that Hitler pin cushions were made and sold, with the cushion part for the pins being his bottom, and they were sold uh, so people could stick a pin in his (laughs) axis, as it was rather cheekily marketed. And maybe they sung the hex while they did it. Who knows? Oh, that is so funny. They do occasionally come up for sale at auction, and you can see pictures of them if you do an internet search. I had a very entertaining little browse through those. Excellent. Well, again, I will make sure that I put some of those on our social media posts for this episode. Definitely. Now, a rather more recent example of, well, the same thing was a doll which was manufactured in 2008 representing the former president of France Nicolas Sarkozy no yes the doll included a set of pins and instructions explaining how to curse Sarkozy and its body was covered in words relating to negative incidents during his premiership such as pouvoir d'achat which means purchasing power which is something uh, that was in the media at the time this was commercially available in 2008 widely commercially available and it sold very well people really wanted to stick a pin in Sarkozy. (laughs) What's really interesting about this is the idea disturbed Sarkozy himself enough to go to court applying for it to be removed. Yeah, I mean, of course. Like, if someone was manufacturing dolls of me to torture, I would definitely want them to stop. Well, I think it's pretty telling, though, that a world leader seemed to be scared enough of a doll depicting him. Yeah. Like he was frightened enough of the concept mm. of an inanimate object representing him to want to suppress it. Yeah, well, I mean, that idea seems to play into what I would consider to be a voodoo doll. Am I correct in thinking that? I've held off talking about voodoo dolls so far, and I want to say straight away that sticking pins into dolls as a curse is a common misconception about the voodoo religion, mm. and one which largely comes from books and media by white Americans and Europeans. Yes. In 2020, the voodoo high priest Roby Gilmore categorically stated that the voodoo religion does not stab pins and dolls to hurt people and the idea is not relevant to the modern practice of the religion. No, but I mean, when, again, we were growing up and, and before us, I think in films, the idea of wax figures and voodoo dolls being... T- I mean, hammer horror films are oh, so full. stuffed with imagery, <laughs> yeah, aren't they? Yeah, there's so yeah, much which makes it. me wonder if it's a bit sort of satanic panic exorcist vibe. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And there's been some uh, slightly culturally insensitive depictions of Marie Laveau, for example, in films, um, which Mm, I think mm. fed into that idea. So do we know why people associate the puppet with voodoo religion? Like, where does it come from? I think it probably comes from kind of not fully understanding the traditions of a different culture. Yeah, sure, sure. I was doing some reading about the origins of voodoo, which most scholars suggest came from the French-speaking West African nation of Benin. Okay. The dolls, however, may originate from a particular type of figurine created in 19th century Congo, now the Democratic Republic of Congo. These figurines are called minkisi. That's the plural of the word inkisi, which means things which do things. Things which do things. 
things. Things which do things. Little dolls which do it's things. It's really good, isn't it? Minky see are carved wooden dolls, yeah. which supposedly can contain the spirits of the dead, making them available for use by the living. Yeah. They can be used to appease negative energies by a special ritual performed by the local chief, who would fill a medicine pouch attached to the Nkisi with particular substances, mm-hmm. depending on what you're asking the Nkisi to do. Scary. The medicine kind of gives the doll power and identifies it as a spirit. Oh, goodness. I mean, it's very, very interesting, but it's alarming to me. But, okay, so without the medicine pouch, the doll doesn't have any power. It seems so. It right. seems like that's what identifies this okay. wooden figurine as a container for a spirit So almost like, like, a, like a womb in a way. Yeah, a little bit, or a Tupperware. Mm, yeah. <laughs> A spirit Tupperware. Spirit Tupperware. <laughs> Unfortunately, Minkisi was severely repressed during the Belgian colonisation of Congo. Because, well, but mm. because they were considered to be very dangerous witchcraft. Well, yeah, but also, I mean, the legacy of Belgium in Congo is absolutely horrendous. Yes, not the only thing that was severely repressed, suppressed and violently stamped oh, out. Terrible, terrible. But I, I guess in, in this example, the medicine pouch kind of functions in a similar way to pins, which can be made to stick into a puppet to cause harm but without it the doll it's just a doll exactly mm. well, in voodoo a magical process known as a grigri needs to take place the word voodoo or vodun means spirits and its practice is the magical religious process used to connect spirits and humans yeah. basically mm-hmm. A doll lying on a table is kind of just a doll, but pushing sharp pins into it with the purpose of connecting it to a person is the act of grigri. Right, okay. And it's been suggested, especially by modern practitioners, um, as you said with you, when you were talking about your shoulder, that the pins are actually used to concentrate energy on a certain area of the human body, mm. normally to heal and bless rather than hurt the individual representative. Yeah, and I think that's what the evidence suggests that the ancient Greeks used to do as well. So it's a really long-running tradition that people used to do this sort of thing. Now, if I wanted to make a poppet, because this is a magical item we do not have in our house. No, we have not made any poppets. Right. So if I wanted to make a poppet, how would I go about making a poppet? Well, you need to make a roughly person-shaped figure. Yeah. Either from stuffed cloth or clay or even a carved root. You can make one out of paper. Mm. One article I read even suggests using our old friend, the potato. Oh, the noble potato. The noble potato. Perfect (laughs) for Christmas decorations and creating (laughs) magical dolls. Then you can use... Sympathetic magic and appropriate correspondences to help attract the energies you desire. Oh, so a poppet, for example, for boundless wealth? Should we make one of those? We could make one of those. <laughs> we could make a prosperity poppet by including cinnamon, orange, ginger, even a gold coin. Yeah, let's do tying it. Tying it with golden ribbons. Excellent. You know, there are lots of ways we could connect the poppet to the idea a of way wealth. Of luring more Patreon supporters <laughs> to the Three Ravens podcast. Yeah, exactly. And maybe for your shoulder, we could do a healing poppet. Oh, yes, perhaps. Including sage to cleanse body and mind, or crystals like turquoise and bloodstone. Mm. As you might expect, love poppets are still incredibly popular. Yeah, I can imagine they're sculpted in a bit of a saucy way. <laughs> well, you can create a poppet uh, in whatever shape you like mm. to attract love into your life by including rose quartz, rose petals, pink and red colours. And while you're making it, focusing on all the desirable qualities you're looking for in a lover. Well, that's interesting. So that's sort of like a general poppet for love in a kind of broad sense. And it's very much about the intention while making it. Puppets are always handmade. You you don't just buy one off the shelf. That's kind of not the point. But, I mean, if you want to attract a particular person rather than love in general, is there a kind of example of, you know, how that 
kind of pop it might work? Well, you might have heard of something called a tag lock, which nope. we've actually, we've sort of talked about already. It's also known as a magical link. Right. It's essentially something which is linked to the individual who's the focus of the spell. Ah, uh, yes. And this might include hair, nails, body right, fluids, right, photographs, you, yep. pieces of clothing. However, many modern practitioners of magic believe that magic should be focused on the self rather than on another individual. Well, we talked about this in relation to love spells in the past, yes. didn't we? How I was saying... So immoral and wrong. Mm. But I also feel like it's inevitable that people are going to make these. Yes. Love spells are still incredibly popular. You know, mm. we've talked about how, like, uh, spells for sale on Etsy, for example. Yeah. Love spells are by far and away the majority. Mm. Still, if you are interested, there are plenty of great books about puppet making and loads of free patterns online if you're interested in trying it out but not sure where to start. Oh, well, thank you very much, Eleanor. That's absolutely fascinating what do you think should we make any poppets well the kind of poppet i quite would like to make is called a kitchen witch this doll probably originates in germany or scandinavia and its purpose is to protect and bring good energy into the home kitchen so it's a good luck doll which is meant to sort of promote productivity and safety in the kitchen but (laughs) we talked about your avocado related injuries i think i need an avocado themed kitchen witch to stop me having any more accidents and and that's the point having a witch in the kitchen is meant to prevent the kitchen from burning down oh i see right right and they have a fairly long history and were certainly known in england in the 16th century which Mm. is interesting given the backdrop of witch fever yeah but there's a will belonging to a man called john crudgington from 1599 in which he bequeaths the witch in the kitchen to his son. See, I really like the idea of a kitchen witch. Let's make one. All right, but I think I'll be cautious when it comes to making puppets to influence others, even with the best intentions. Yes, very true. While we're putting together our kitchen witch, (laughs) we would love to know if you have ever made a poppet. Mm. Maybe you have a kitchen witch watching over your culinary endeavours. If so, we'd love to hear from you, so do please get in touch with us on social media or by emailing threeravenspodcast at gmail.com. That's also the place to send us entries to the Flash Fiction Competition. Send us your original fiction of up to a thousand words and We'll read them out on a special episode in the future. You can also join in the fun on social media via facebook.com forward slash Three Ravens Podcast, Instagram at Three Ravens Podcast, or Twitter or X at Three Ravens Pod. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Three Ravens Podcast. Yes, please. We have lots of exclusive goodies on there and a new monthly newsletter just came out on New Year's Day. Yeah. Otherwise, we will be back on Monday with a new county episode all about... Essex. Until next time then, while our poppets pranced off that way, we'll go this way. And remember, don't whistle till you're out of the woods. Our theme song is the traditional folk ballad Three Ravens, performed by Eleanor Conlon and Ben Harbour, and our logo is by Ollie James Dare. The Three Ravens podcast is a Rust and Stardust production, produced by me, Martin Volks. Thanks for listening. God sent every gentleman Such hounds, such hawks, and such lean man With a down, derry, 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 down, down Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 